0: Welcome to episode 50 of The Gone Show, the show where my guests and I explore anything and anyone that is now gone or might as well be. On tonight's episode, it's not just a piece of wood. That's right, we'll be talking about the Yule log. And now, joining the world and beyond from The Gone Show studio in the American Midwest, the host of The Gone Show, Bannon Backus. Good evening and welcome to a very special episode of The Gone Show. Tonight we're celebrating this, our 50th episode, and here to celebrate with me are Jay Stewart, John Mad, Jack Mitten, and Conroy Pike. Jay is a brain in a jar. Congratulations. I'm very happy to be here for it. Thanks, Jay. John passed away in the United Kingdom in the first half of the 19th century and now manifests himself as an oversized mouth and mustache. Felicitations. Cheers. And Conroy is widely known as the world's greatest courier. 50 episodes. Congratulations. Yeah, I can't believe it. And I just want to thank all of you and those guests not here tonight for helping to make it possible. I couldn't have done it without you. Yes, I knew. I'm happy and proud to have been a part of it. Thanks. I appreciate it. To quote Stephen Richards, the good thing about being old is not being young. Yeah, there's something to be said for that, isn't there? Fortunately, I never made it to 50, so I'll always be young at heart. That's lemonade from lemons. For me, youth is just a state of mind. Alright, tonight we're going to be talking about Yule Logs, something that a lot of people are probably familiar with by name, but maybe not in practice. And I thought that this would be a good way for us to start to get into the holiday spirit. Speaking of the holiday spirit, if I were a Dickensian ghost, which one do you think I'd be? It's been a while since I've read A Christmas Carol. Is the ghost of Christmas asshole an option? Be lucky if somebody haunted your ass. So we should probably start out by talking about the term itself. The Yule in Yule Log actually refers to a wintertime festival that in the past was celebrated by people in Northern Europe. Specifically those of Germanic ethnicity. So this festival likely has pagan roots. Correct. Paganism? Nobody said anything about paganism. Yeah, until now. Well, I'm afraid I must ask that we move on and forget all this talk of paganism. And what's your issue tonight, John? I simply have a healthy respect for witchcraft. Paganism is not witchcraft. Witchcraft, devil worship, call it what you like. I simply cannot afford for someone to inadvertently speak an incantation that will have some unforeseen effect on a spirit like me. It's not perfect, but I'm quite comfortable in my current state. Nobody is going to be speaking any incantations, John, and I wouldn't worry. I don't think either side wants you. For better or worse, tonight's topic reminds me of the time I was hired to transport an extraordinarily large life-size effigy. What was the effigy of? It was of a two-bedroom house. A two-bedroom house? Yes, sir. I'd been hired to deliver it to a party that was being thrown for a group of real estate agents. Apparently, their office had had a good year, and they thought that burning a house in effigy would be a fun way to bring in the next fiscal year. I had always prided myself on the company parties that I threw. But now, I had never seen anything burned in effigy, so after unloading the house, which if I remember correctly was made mostly out of straw, I stuck around to see what it would be like. I don't blame you, and it was impressive, but a few minutes after they touched it off, I heard sirens in the distance, and before I knew it, a fire engine came to a screeching stop nearby, and firemen came rushing onto the scene, asking if there was anyone inside the house. And you should have seen the looks on those firemen's faces when the real estate agents tried to explain to them that the house wasn't real. Oh dear. So it sounds like people with real artistic talent should stay away from making effigies. It does make things difficult for public servants. Yikes. Thanks for sharing that, Conroy. Well, before we continue discussing Yule logs, we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Just in time for the holidays, and now available for pre order the next great cookbook from Master Chef Phil Tableau. Introducing Humming in the Kitchen 107 Ways to Cook Hummingbird. Hi, my name is Chef Phil Tableau, and I invite you to explore with me the forbidden meat of the hummingbird. Inside my new cookbook, you'll find recipes for both formal and informal occasions, with some recipes, like my hummingbirds in a blanket, calling for as few as just 125 hummingbirds. So buy my new cookbook, and join Join me as I show you how to get big flavor from this little bird. Visit your favorite bookstore or the official Chef Phil Tableau website today and pre-order your copy of Humming in the Kitchen, 107 Ways to Cook Hummingbird. And when you pre-order your copy, you'll save 15% off the cover price. Now that's a deal sweet enough for a hummingbird. Pre-order your copy today. Identity theft. It is the most substantial and unexpected financial disaster that can happen to the average person. And for most, the only defense against this disastrous threat is to quickly and haphazardly run their private documents through a paper shredder before throwing them away for all to see. However, identity thieves are more than willing and able to put together the puzzle of your personal information. That's why those amazing miracle workers at RonCon are proud to offer you the crap can. Like the paper shredder, the crap can shreds your private documents, but the similarities end there, because after shredding your documents and before allowing them to To fall into the bin below, the crap can sprays the pieces with human feces, deterring virtually all would-be thieves from even approaching those pieces after they've been thrown away. And, best of all, this kind of security is convenient. Simply load the crap can with a replaceable crap cartridge that you fill with your own feces. And this ingenious device does the rest. For freshness, all needed areas of the crap can are airtight during normal use. And, for ease with occasional cleaning... All components of the Crap Can are dishwasher safe. Look for the Crap Can wherever quality office products are sold. The Crap Can, another absolutely necessary product from Ron Kahn. Welcome back to the Gone Show. Welcome back to the Gone Show. Jay Stewart, witch hunter John Mitten, and Conroy Pike are here with me tonight, and we've been talking about Yule Logs. Now, according to my research, the concept of a Yule Log can be traced as far back as the 1600s, but it could very well have existed before that. Based upon what I read, it's likely that originally the burning of a Yule log represented the sun and the longer and longer days that follow the December solstice. In my experience, there's no reason to overthink a fire on the earth. A roaring fire is simply an opportunity to be close to a lovely lady. Nothing more, nothing less. There is something pleasant about a warm fireplace, isn't there? I'm reminded of a quote often attributed to Henry David Thoreau. Fire is the most tolerable third party. So after the concept of a Yule log was adopted by Christians and became a part of Christmas, the specifics surrounding the Yule log were changed. For example, I found that one Christmas tradition entails the burning of one piece from a Yule log on each day of the 12 days of Christmas, which is often observed from... December 25th through January 5th. I suppose you could see it as 12 days of warm embraces. Other such traditions include trying to bring about good luck by keeping the Yule Log under your bed, as well as learning what the New Year has in store by looking for signs from the way in which the Yule Log burns. I had no idea that the Yule Log had such a strong connection to luck and prophecy. Yeah, me neither. And speaking a bit more about luck, a more recent belief from the early 1900s regarding the eulog log is that it's bad luck if you have to relight it once it's been used to establish a fire. Uh, my wife, God rest her soul, and I had a neighbor for a number of years who was more or less obsessed with inviting people over to sit around the fire pit on his and his wife's patio. That sounds pleasant enough. It would have been, that is, if he had ever started an actual fire. Wait, he invited people over to sit around his fire pit, but he never actually had a fire going? Yes, uh, the fire pit would be nicely filled with dried wood and kindling, but regardless of how cold and dark it got, he would never start a fire Only you, Jay, would have a neighbor who would do such a thing. Did you ever confront him about it? We didn't want to be rude, especially what with them being our neighbors. Uh, The few times I or someone else brought up the idea of a fire being started, he would offer to go and get a flashlight if someone mentioned that it was getting dark out, or a blanket if someone mentioned a drop in temperature. That's an awfully unusual way to be a good host. My wife and I stopped accepting invitations to come over after an especially awkward evening around the fire pit. It was late in the year, but we thought we could use it as an opportunity to spend just a little more time outdoors before snow arrived. Uh, we had bundled up, but it was cold outside, and our host had offered us marshmallows and sticks. But still no fire? Yes so we sat there shivering around the lifeless fire pit and proceeded to watch as our neighbor would take marshmallows from the bag put them on the end of his stick and then eat them off the end of the stick that is so bizarre Eventually we excused ourselves after he went out of his way to smear marshmallow all over his face, and then making a point to complain that it must have melted from his hands being so warm. Do you think he finally realized that he had gone too far in pretending that there shouldn't have been a fire? I don't know. All I know is that there was something unsettling about the way he looked. A a grown man, body tense, presumably from holding back shivers, with a clump of marshmallow stuck to his face. I wonder why he would ever do such a thing. I should think because the man was nutty as a fruitcake. Yeah, that seems like a distinct possibility. Jeez. All right, well, that brings us to the end of the show. And not just any show, our 50th episode. You're welcome. What? For what? Earlier you said that you couldn't have gotten this far without me, and others if I remember correctly, but let's not dwell on it. I find myself becoming embarrassed by all of the praise. You know, I'm thinking of starting a new Eulog tradition, and it involves shoving one right up here. Your- once again, congratulations on 50 episodes, yes sir, and best wishes for 50 more. Thanks again. I appreciate it. And your timing, I think. Also, thank you listeners for all of your support. It means a lot to us. And as always, until next time, good evening and good gone. The Gon Show was produced, created, performed, and written by Bannon Backus. The Gone Show is a presentation of BoomTube, B-O-O-M-T-O-O-B. All rights are reserved. Visit BoomTube online at BoomTube.com and Facebook.com slash BoomTube Network.